I see dead people. Do you remember that popular line from the movie called A Sixth Sense? That was, that was 20 years ago, 1999. And you could say, we've been, uh, our culture has been interested in dead people for a long time. It's coming out in movies and television shows. A few years ago, The Walking Dead made its debut on television. There's a movie out now called Zombieland. So we have really embraced this idea of the undead. And I am sure this week you will see a few zombies walking around town. Oh, and besides that, I think Halloween's this week as well. So I thought this would be a good time to see what God's Word says about people who are alive, people who are dead, and maybe everything in between. So today I'm going to whiz through the Old Testament, highlighting a couple particular passages. So we're going to have to start, of course, with Genesis 1.17, when God says to Adam and Eve, you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. So sure enough, they ate from that tree, and humankind has been dying ever since. And ever since people started dying, humans have wondered what happens after they die. In most of the Old Testament, they believed there was a place called Sheol, sometimes known as Hades, but it's pronounced Sheol, S-H-E-O-L. And there was just one place where people went when they died. There wasn't two. There was just one in most of the Old Testament. It was an unseen realm. It was kind of dark. It was gloomy. It was not hell, but it was hell-ish, you could say. Sometimes it was seen as a temporary place, a holding dock, as if, if you will. Other times, it, they even would see it as a place located in the center of the earth, in the core of the earth. Not, you know, this is just a theory that they had, they had. Job cites that place when he says in Job fourteen thirteen, when he's praying to God, he says, Oh, that you would hide me in Sheol, that you would conceal me until your wrath be passed, that you would appoint me a set time and remember me. Now, near the, old, near the end of the Old Testament, you start seeing that theology uh, change a little bit, and you start seeing more of theology of two places, heaven and hell, rather than just one. Theologians kind of call this process where we... God revealed more and more as, as he, about himself, about true reality as time went on. It's called progressive revelation is what theologians call that. Now the only other obvious beings in the Old Testament besides God and animals and his created things on earth is angels. You can't read very far in the Old Testament without seeing a story about angels. How they're carrying out God's work, helping him accomplish his mission. You know, one of the theories about angels has been that it's a future state of us, that when we die, maybe we become angels. And though the Bible does say we become like angels, the Bible doesn't say we will become angels. They're a separate being, a created being of their own sense that's different from us. And while Satan is mentioned definitely in Genesis, we just heard that story, tempted Adam and Eve as a form of a snake, you don't hear too much of Satan and his demons in the Old Testament. However, there is one story that's kind of a mystery story in the Old Testament. It mentions a ghost of some kind. 
1 Samuel 28. And this story, Saul, who was king of God's people and the nation of Israel, he'd gotten away from serving God. He, he, had, he had taken his own path, and he'd become jealous of David, and he was making terrible choices. But he was going into battle with the Philistines, and he wanted advice desperately. And God had kind of left him, and so he didn't repent and turn back to God. Instead, he sought out a medium, or maybe what we'd call a psychic, or something like that. And even though Saul himself had set laws against seeking these people, he kind of disguised himself, and he went into the sea so he could find out what to do. He was desperate to know how to treat this army attacking him. So he secretly meets up with this woman, and here's what it says in 2 Samuel 28, 11-16. And then the woman asked, Whom shall I bring up to you? Bring up Samuel, he said. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried out to the top of her voice and said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, Don't be afraid. What do you see? The woman said, I see a ghostly figure coming out of the earth. What does he look like, he asked. An old man wearing a robe is coming up, she said. Then Saul knew it was Samuel. And he bowed down, he prostrated himself with his face to the ground. And Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? I am in great distress, Saul said. Saul said, The Philistines are fighting against me, and God has departed from me. He no longer answers me either by prophets or by dreams, so I have called on you to tell me what to do. Samuel said, Why do you consult me? Now the Lord has departed from you and become your enemy. Wow, that's an interesting story, isn't it? So it's obviously a little unusual story. And so there's some debate among people how to interpret this story. But first of all, I want to make clear something that God does say in the Old Testament. It makes it very clear in Deuteronomy how he feels about going to see these, these people for, for future direction. He said, Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft or cast spells, or who is a medium or spiritist who consults the dead. The one who does these things is detestable to the Lord because of these same detestable practices. The, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. Still, something is still curious about this story because Samuel seems to really proclaim truth to Saul. So you've got two different interpretations, well, there's more than two, but the two major interpretations of the story is that God actually allowed the spirit of Samuel to appear in this case. Unusual as it was, maybe God allowed it to teach Saul something. Others believe this medium had contact with an evil spirit, disguised as Samuel, who was more than willing to put Saul in his place. Hmm. I'm not going to tell you which of those I lean towards this morning, but I will say this. The Bible is very clear to tell us to test spirits before accepting them as they appear. This passage, again, is certainly unique in the Old Testament. In this day and age, there's lots of speculation about ghosts. In fact, one of every five people believe in ghosts of some kind. A popular theory is that they are spirits who have died, but yet have not crossed over to the afterlife. Again, based on what I see of the Scripture, 
I cannot hold to that viewpoint. It seems like the Bible is pretty clear about we go directly to our destination. And some another opinion is that it's really, there's no spirit there. There's just a movie playing. Of, it's embedded in that particular place, but really it's not really there. You're just replaying an image over and over again. That's another popular theory. And while I don't discount anything totally because the Bible's not totally clear, I will have to lean towards what evidence the Bible gives us. Be wise. Test spirits. Don't look to anything but God for future direction. Because either they are fooling you and just giving you random direction, or the direction is from the enemy. So be careful, be wise. Now let us turn to the major section of the Bible that we're going to study and look at this morning. It comes from the book of Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel is a prophet, and as prophets go, he is a bit strange. And saying that a prophet is a bit strange is quite a statement because all prophets are at least a little bit strange, it seems like. Ezekiel would receive these visions while his beloved nation of Israel has been captured and conquered by the nation of Babylon. And he's going to bring this message to his people from God about the state they are in through visions. And the first thing he makes known is that God is judging the nation of Israel. In chapter 7, verse 4, he says, I will not look on you with pity. I will not spare you. I will not surely repay you for your conduct and for the detestable practices among you. Then you will know that I am the Lord. But as harsh as those words are, God does not abandon them. Quite the contrary. He would bring a strong message of grace. In fact, Ezekiel is so strong with grace in certain sections of this book, you would think you are reading the New Testament. You see, uh, the, 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 the starting the, the, the new thing that God is doing from the Old Testament law and measuring up and being you know, perfect to understanding, even in Ezekiel, before even Jesus comes on the scene, grace. He says in Ezekiel eleven seventeen 17-21, Therefore, says, say, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I will gather you from the nations and bring you back from the countries where you have scattered, and I will give you back the land of Israel again. They will return to it, remove all of its vile images and detestable idols, and I will give them an undivided heart, and I will put in them a new spirit, and I will remove their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. And they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws, and they will be my people, and I will be their God. But as for those whose hearts are devoted to the vile images and detestable idols, I will bring down on their heads, and, and what they have done declares the sovereign Lord. Declare, again, this is, this is heavy stuff. There are a couple of particular verses in there that we're probably going to even look at next week as we take that into the New Testament. But let me read just a little bit more. In verses 30 through 32, it says, of chapter 18, it says, Therefore, 
You Israelites, I will judge each of you according to your own ways, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent, turn away from all your offenses, then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you've committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, people of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. All this is leading up to what I think is the climax in chapters 37 and then maybe even 38, 39. And the story I'm about to read to you is a vision that God gives Ezekiel about his nation. It's not literally happening, but I think in this particular case, the vision is actually more powerful than reality. It tells us how God sees people. And see, God is making it clear. He sees dead people. His people. His people are dead people. And while our nation today are get so caught up in walking dead and zombies and spirits and all this stuff, God defines things differently. God defines things by a different realm than we define things. In Ezekiel, he sees people who are alive physically, but dead spiritually. In fact, God so far as to say in this passage, if you are not alive spiritually, then you're just a pile of bones. Let me read this. You know that some of you know the story, right? Ezekiel 37, 4 through 10. And then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will, I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. And I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. And I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And I was prophesying there was a noise and a rattling sound. And the bones come together bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. And they came to life and stood up there on their feet, a vast army. When God created us, God breathed into us to give us life. But there is another way that God wants to breathe into you. And in this case, it is the Spirit of God who wants to breathe in you to give you new life, new spirit, so that we're not just walking dead people. And we all can get there. Some of us, we, we decided to follow Jesus when we were six years old. Some of us, we decided to follow Jesus in the last 12 months. But it doesn't matter because we can all become like dry bones to God. 
Because our spirit is not being fostered. It's, it's not being helped. It's not being given life. And our spiritual life dries up when we don't do that. When we don't do the things that God calls us to do, we dry up. You don't need to feel ashamed for that. You just need to get right. Because it can happen to each and every one of us. So I'm asking you today, ask God to put a new spirit in you. Isn't it time to stop living like a zombie? Isn't it time to come alive? Because God knows when we're just dead people. Ezekiel 37, 14, And I will put a new spirit in you, and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land, and then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. Do you need a new spirit? Is today the day? Moment the moment? I'm going to ask you to pray for a new spirit. If, especially if you're feeling that, oh man, I am just a pile of dry bones, and I have, sorry, I've, Lord, I have been for a while, and I need to get back right. Or maybe just in the last couple of weeks, you've gotten a new spirit for something that's happened in your life. 